You're listening to a special podcast of all things ADHD. In this time of crisis, we know everyone in our community is facing tremendous pressures, and CHAD and its National Resource Center on ADHD are here to help. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Dr. Craig Bruce Sermon. After the interview section of the podcast, Dr. Sermon has offered to lead a guided meditation, especially for people with ADHD. Dr. Sermon, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a neuropsychiatrist by training. Um, I do clinical and research work at Mass General Hospital in Boston. I have an appointment with Harvard Medical School where um, I teach and I'm very proud to be on the professional advisory board of CHAD and uh, to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Due to all the present disruption and uncertainty, we're all experiencing big changes in our daily lives, practicing physical social distancing, working from home, children being schooled at home in some cases, among many other things. So what can people do to manage anxiety? The number one thing that helps anybody with anxiety is to identify it. And anxiety can lurk in lots of different ways. As we're talking, I want to be mindful that um, this is being posted with Chad. And individuals with ADHD already have a long list of to-dos that they have a troubled relationship with. And proving their anxiety uh, can be yet another to-do item. So we kind of have to think about how what works for anxiety can be embraced by folks with ADHD most easy. And I think there's sort of a couple of general principles that go beyond uh, what I've said already that we can get into, but the number one task is identifying it in its many forms. Process uh, that for folks with ADHD actually may be quite similar to the kind of stress state that they've needed to harness to work for a long time. And this is where I think it gets tricky for some folks. Is this the all too familiar way I get things done, last minute, under pressure? Is this where I usually live, distracted, multitasking, uh, lots of things on my mind, lots of loose ends? Or is this extra busy mindedness that's not helpful? So it can help, I think, to take a moment and notice if there are signs of anxiety that can tell you this is not productive stress energy. This is unhelpful, just, you know, draining, straining. One of the primary signs, although it's different for different people, is a physical one. And each of us carries stress in a different way. Some people have a very clear tell. You know that 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 those shoulders are up here by the end of the day, and the the tension, right? I mean, that's the body posture, the ergonomics that a lot of us are in right now, working at computers from home, or maybe your back picking up a little one, a little more than you have ever done before. Um, you know, off off the floor to help try to you know take care of them while you're running around the house now, and you used to have daycare. Maybe it's that back that's going to show it, but our bodies are going to tell us where the strain is, but how you're holding your body affects 
you know, the fact that you're even having strain at all. So this is also sympathetic nervous system stuff. Muscle tension, fight or flight, is what we talk about, is vital to our survival. There's an opposite system, though, we can tap into, and that's the parasympathetic nervous system. And this is what people talk about when they think about the relaxation response. When people are talking about being grounded, people are talking about being mindful. That's not running around and racing around. So when I talk about identifying anxiety, some of the physical signs may be obvious, that tension in the body, racing heart, um, but it's basically feeling of sweatiness. Uh, there's something going on in the sympathetic nervous system. But it can be more insidious and less physical. It can be the mindset that a person is operating from, one of concern, of not consideration and thoughtful planning, you know, one of fear, not of poise and feeling in command. And we want to identify these unhelpful sort of mental states and try to cultivate and strengthen both the physical and mental ability to, to harness the balancing force of that parasympathetic nervous system. What tools can people use to manage feeling lost and overwhelmed? I want to make the distinction, and I'm glad you're asking this, between everyday anxiety and sort of uh, really unique stressors. And each of us has faced them. And the answer to the question of how to deal with being lost and overwhelmed really is be in touch with what's helped you before. Or if you're thinking about a child that you're trying to help, think about what helped you when you were feeling lost and overwhelmed. There's some basic creature comforts that all of us need. Our brain knows if we're not getting them. Grounding the body in nutrition, in sleep, in activity pattern, dare I say exercise, which is great for anxiety, of course, but grounding the body in a schedule of its needs being met is very different than staying up all night, streaming media, busy, busy, busy. If you think about how active your mind is, how searching your mind is, that's a very different sort of space for brain to be um, than grounded, digesting, processing, getting what it needs from the world. You can train yourself and train your body in part to not feel lost and confused by taking care of bodily needs and first and calming the mind second. Now, this is only possible if you feel safe. And when there's scary stuff out there, something that you're worried about in your own health, something that's in the news, we have to take care of, are we safe? And there's good information about how to be safe. Checking that information all the time, am I safe? How can I be safe? Um, is there new information out there as lots of media streaming services would want us to? Is really telling your brain there's something wrong, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, seek, 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 explore, explore, explore. That's really strange cueing. So I tend to like to think that, you know, way, way, way down the list of how to deal with lost and confused is checking the news. And one should probably do it about as often as you check the weather. You know, how often do you check the weather? Is there going to be a storm outside or not? You kind of know seasonally, right? When there's a new crisis, a new issue, people check more often, but then you kind of know what's going on. 
and you move on. So once or twice a day, figuring out, is there something new that I need to do to stay safe? I think that's pretty reasonable. Otherwise, I really feel that people should focus on structuring their lives around their bodily needs and being in touch with whether there's some inefficient, uncomfortable, physical or mental state that they're unwittingly cultivating. When things feel overwhelming, where do we start? I think you start with the body, with the bodily needs, bedtime, uh, eating. But we're talking about folks and two folks with ADHD. Uh, if it's a child, a lot of these things are not in their control. You know, you can maybe as an adult help set a regular schedule for them. But that would take starting with yourself or if you have ADHD yourself, you know, say, making a meal time plan, tucking yourself into bed at night. I usually hear my clinical work about anxiety the most at bedtime, where people are lying there and their minds are busy. That's very different than the sleep phase delay we often see of the night owl who suddenly is, you know, gotten onto a project because the deadline is tomorrow. And they're cultivated to sort of be up late at night when no one else is around distracting them. It's a very ADD time for a lot of people. Taking care of the bodily needs there means what you would normally do to take care of a sleep phase delay or sleep phase shift. That's different than what's going to help with a busy mind that's fearful and nervous. So there's lots on sleep hygiene, and you can look at that on the internet. And there's relaxation techniques can help people settle the mind as well. But if you're not real about the need to begin with, to be what does it take for me to have a good bedtime? What does it take for me to eat nutritious meals? If you're not making prioritizing that, then you won't cultivate what I was talking about earlier, which is this nurtured, comfortable sort of rhythm for our bodies and minds. I think, however, that some people that are listening to this, if you have ADHD or are trying to help someone with ADHD, can recognize that some people, this is just another to-do item. And there's folks with ADHD who have trouble, you know, getting around to boring things, right? And then there's people with ADHD where it's about doing the right thing at the right time. Why am I off doing this other thing when I told myself that I was going to do this, this the other thing, right? And that sort of routine problem, problems with routines, really needs to be honed in on. It's not going to be appropriate for everybody that's listening to this, but where it's present, it really can breed um, more, I think, possibility for anxiety because people end up with a disconnection between the daily rhythm kind of and a pleasant mental rhythm if you will so what helps people maintain a routine is noticing pitfalls when we did our book fast minds on adhd we realized that people kind of have critical moments from which a lot of things fall and it's often the planning time they planning selfishly time that they end up deferring or putting off oh yeah i'll get to that I, I can throw my clothes on and whip out the door in seconds flat, forgetting that actually you're exhausted in the morning usually, and that's really, really going to be hard to do. What's the cozy self-care? What's the bodily function need that you need to prepare for? And, you know, beyond the shopping list that, you know, for things that you're going to need for yourself to feel comfortable, what helps you even make that shopping list? Beyond the bedtime that you know, that I'm going to set this bedtime. What helps you actually execute on sort of winding down at bedtime? These are different things for different people, but they're usually beyond just the person themselves. You know, there's an audience to it. There's someone else they're doing it with. 
Um, there's accountability in some way, a reminder, an alarm system, you know, uh, sort of these kinds of things are useful. But lots of people just get stuck, keep doing whatever they're doing, living a disorganized rhythm to their day. So you want to find some kind of accountability, ideally a teammate. And you can do that over the Internet. You can do that over the phone. You can decide someone else, and this is, I think, a lovely thing to do, needs your help, too, with that. So if you're not alone in this. Who would benefit from a call from me as I'm in my pajamas getting ready for bed? Who would benefit from a FaceTime chat over lunch with me? Who could I do these kinds of things with? How am I not in this alone? And this is an absolute key for folks with what we call executive function or self-regulation kind of challenges when they have trouble with planning an organization. It's to not be in it alone. Let's talk for a minute about our parents who have children with ADHD. And if children are getting special support at school and now all of a sudden the parents are dealing with their schooling at home, how can we help them at home? So Chad has some lovely resources for um, homeschooling, um, links to the current situation when it comes to special education support um, within uh, the U.S. school system uh, when people are now being schooled at home. Uh, and I really encourage you to look for those um, resources. But this does start with taking care of yourself first. And the kids uh, are going to be less self-regulated than the adult is. And you want to anticipate that. If you're doing it alone and taking care of a child alone, some kind of rhythm that you can have together of, again, meeting each other's needs, we'll meet for dinner, we'll meet for lunch, um, I think is a really good way to model both self-care and you know what can they can do to help themselves. I'm hearing all sorts of actually opportunities that have come out of, um, we're talking about this during the context of the COVID virus public health crisis, and all sorts of opportunities people have had to notice their native abilities of their children and notice what their children do naturally and to find ways of joining in on that and to actually just be available in some way that's helpful. You can get into battles over screen time. You can decide that screen time's your babysitter, or you can actually realize that there's some, a conversation to be had about what just happened on the screen. Joining a child where they're at is always a, a lovely strategy. What is their concern? What are they worried about? I think often there's this fear that I need to fix this. I need to change this. I need to make this right for the, for the child. Whatever the age you are, what people want to know during a public health crisis is, are you safe? Um, am I going to be safe? Um, what And how long is this going to be? What do we know about uh, the latest on how long we're going to have to be living our lives differently? You can answer those questions and you can be honest about your own feelings. If you're not, and if you're not, if you're holding it inside, uh, I think people can tell. Folks with ADHD, if you're an ADHD parent, you know, often will have challenges regulating how they come across because it's kind of dual work to interact with an individual and also stay on task. Um, when you treat ADHD, I think it makes it easier, but, you know, there's sort of a prep that it takes to sort of be present. And in my mind, this again gets back to something we were talk I was talking about earlier, which is attending to bodily needs. I have parents who get up early so they can, you know, work out, you know, in their their homes so they can feel comfortable and present 
and, and calm during breakfast. I have parents who are sort of leaning on other people they know, like to come up with lesson plans and resources um, and sort of putting kids in front of computers, but then checking in on some kind of schedule. It's happening all different ways. But unless people sort of figure out what's going to make this most pleasant for me, it's going to foment anxiety. There will be stress. Change creates stress. That's very different than an anxiety disorder. It's very different than the old fear that ADHD tends to breed of, am I going to be able to be on top of things? Folks with ADHD traits are sometimes a little primed to be in that fight or flight, in that stress space. So coming back to that, I think, is really important, even as you think about how to interact with a child. So how do I decide what to let go and what to work on when I fear there's so much wrong? I think it's beautiful if people can think about what they can control and what they can't. You know, what is under their control? If you, again, are feeding your mind with distant concerns, as the international news does all too efficiently for us, as opposed to living in the actual like world you can control much of your day, um, it's exhausting. You have this, this long list of things you can't manage. Take care of yourself first, number one, and other things will follow. Be clear about what's possible uh, within a day, and some things just need to be deferred. Many folks in an anxiety state will be future-oriented and thinking about the future, wondering about things that can happen, distant things. Many people in an anxiety state will be in the past mulling over something, concerned about something that actually isn't present in the here and now. If you can somehow sit with what is under my control and what is not and make a list, make an intention, bring that to somebody else, it's very powerful. One of the tools that we recommend in our, in the, in our project, Fast Minds, when you're looking at what helps folks with ADHD, is the thought record. And this is a, a typical tool for cognitive behavioral therapy. And a lot of the thinking that we do is not actionable. Thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are connected. And you can do a lot about your thoughts and feelings if you control your behavior. One of the behaviors that we can do is we can look at our, what our thoughts are. So just doing a thought inventory, looking at that, I call it the scene of the crime mentally. You know, what is crossing your mind? And if you're thinking about, gosh, there's this, all this stuff that I'm just, I've left undone. There's all these concerns I have, the things that I can't control. What other thoughts do you have you can actually do something about? There's sort of a gift in the rest of the world being on a bit of a pause. So what can I control that will help me to continue to get health care? I'm sure this question is on the minds of a lot of the adults with ADHD in our community at this time, especially. Fortunately, there's a legal position now to allow providers to do telemedicine and telehealth. And you can ask your current provider if you have one, or you can seek a new provider online through a number of services. Um, so access to care is still quite possible, um, even if people need to take distance from each other physically, which is probably a transitory thing. How long it will last shouldn't be predicted, but um, you know, there will be a time when people can meet with their providers again um, soon. The fears about health insurance that come from, you know, worry about, uh, you know, employment and employment-based insurance are very real. Um, 
they're fortunately are state-based programs which can help and transition people and keep them in, in treatment uh, that are still very active. So state health insurance programs should be looked into. There's there a safety net that have been there for a long, long time. Um, people worry about running out of medication. I hear this. I don't know at this point of this taping of any reason to be worried about that. But logistically speaking, if people are now far from maybe, you know, where they usually get medication from, mail order is a possibility. And it, the amount of medication you can get for ADHD depends on the state. But it could be two months, it can be three months uh, of coverage that a provider may be able to provide. So I, there really is access to all the same kinds of services except in two dimensions as opposed to three dimensions. Um, and I don't think it, it's a burden in terms of logistics, but uh, care is still available. Many of the adults in our ADHD community are going to find this so helpful. Dr. Sermon has offered to lead a guided meditation, especially for people with ADHD. Keep listening. I'm offering a progressive muscle relaxation adapted for folks with busy minds. I say this because many meditations and relaxation techniques require you to focus. It's easier if you include other senses. So today, I'm going to offer a very old technique, which involves tensing and relaxing muscle groups, which tells your brain as your muscles relax at the end of each tension that your body is relaxed so it can be too. At the end of this, I'd suggest that you do a special thing. It can be a hand gesture, or it can be a pattern of breathing, like in through the nose, out through the mouth. You can do it anytime, anywhere, without anyone knowing. This can serve as a trigger to get back to the relaxation state. So we will be progressing from head to toe, tensing and relaxing muscle groups over a couple of minutes. You can always extend this if you like, but listening to a guided meditation helps the wandering mind. Using your body helps a wandering mind. And you might consider sounds, you might consider scents, like a scented candle, something else that will help you with the wandering mind. Please just close your eyes if you're comfortable and sit in a comfortable place or lie down in a comfortable place. And start with your forehead by raising your eyebrows Tense them up, feel the tension for a count of three. One, two, three. Now let your forehead fall. And say, my forehead is heavy, loose, limp, and relaxed to yourself or in your mind. Do the same with facial muscles. Squinch up your eyes, squinch up your nose, make a grimace, tense your teeth. Do that again for a count of one, two, three. Let it fall again. 
My face is heavy, loose, limp, and relaxed. Tense up those shoulders, put them up by your ears. One, two, three. Let them fall. Notice the release in the relaxed state. Heavy, loose, limp, and relaxed. Now tense up your stomach muscles by pulling the belly button into the spine. Count of three. One, two, three. Let it go. Be loose, limp, and relax. Tense up your hands, your forearms. Make a muscle with your bicep. Tense up your shoulders, whole arm systems. For a count of one, two, three. Let it fall. Heavy, loose, limp, and relaxed. And do the same with your legs. Tense up your toes, tense up your feet. Bend your knees a little bit. Tense any muscle you can find in those legs for a count of one, two, three. And let them flop heavy, loose, then relaxed. Our sitting muscles are powerful and you tighten them up for a count of one, two, three. Let them go heavy, loose, limp and relaxed. You can now go from head to toe, tensing up your forehead, scrunching up your face, raising those shoulders, tensing your belly, raising your arms, tensing, making those biceps, tensing up your legs, clawing your feet as you're comfortable, tensing your buttocks for a count of one, two, three, letting it all go, all go, heavy, loose, limp, and relaxed. And now I invite you to do something that you could do anywhere, anytime, to remind your body, which now feels less tense than when you started. Muscles have worked as they do all day, and now they're resting. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. You can make a hand gesture or hold a pose, posing fingers with your hand, something you can do anywhere. I'm going to count to five as you hold that behavior. One, two, three, four, and five. 
your eyes open, refreshed, continue about your day. If you train your body using this technique or a similar one that you adapt twice a day for 10 days or even shorter, you'll find that you can bring back the relaxation response whenever you need it, as long as you pause and take the time. So helpful. Thank you. Thank you for the time. You're listening to a special podcast of all things ADHD in response to the coronavirus pandemic. In this time of crisis, we know everyone in our community is facing tremendous pressures, and CHAD and its National Resource Center on ADHD are here to help. We are committed to continuing to be the resource on which you can rely. For more information, visit our website at chad.org and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest.